0: Good evening, patriots. It's January 6th, 2021. You are listening to Living with Liberty. I am Ryan, your host. Tonight, I will cover things we need to think about amongst the calls to form a new conservative party. Next, on Living with Liberty. Friends, full disclosure, uh, given the events of today, I took a second thought at uh, do I, you know, recording this episode uh, the way I have it written or not. I've had it uh, written for a couple of days. Um, Just haven't had the time to get around to recording it yet. But I think given today's events and what we're seeing politically, I think it's still going to be relevant for us to take a dive into uh, things we need to think about you know, for these, with these calls to form an, a new conservative party. So we're going to take the deep dive into it and, and um, you know, have the information. No matter how things shake out, I think it'll still be good information for us. You know, there's been a lot of calls to form a new party, with kind of the most popular one I've seen is the Patriot Party uh, being the most popular name out there is for the new party. I've been a proponent proponent of a viable third party to try and break this duopoly of the Republican and Democrat parties for quite a while now. The competition is good. I mean, we're a free market society here. Who knows how much longer that's gonna last? But as of right now, we are, and competition is good in that type of environment. The fact is we have what appears to be a radical left party in the Democrats and the Republicans who have been lurching left. years to, you know, maybe a more center-right party right now, it does leave an opening for a new party to the right of the Republicans, one that would uphold our constitutional values and founding principles. I would argue we need, though, two new parties to make this actually work. I'll lay out the scenario and historical reasoning as to why I think that. If we were to have a Trump or Patriot Party, whatever you want to term it, we would be splitting the Republican Party votes. We need to ask ourselves a few questions here. Will this new party draw enough independents and even centrist Democrats to make it viable to compete against the Republican and Democrat machines? How many Republicans would jump ship, actually? You know, there's still even on the Republican side a a fair amount of those that just go in and pull the handle for whoever has an R next to their name without really looking into the candidate. What infrastructure would be in place to ensure viability in a national election? I mean, would this new party even be able to raise funds to get on ballots? You know, all the things that go with trying to win a national election. So let's take a look at each question in terms of the feasibility of of these First one, can a new party draw enough centrist Democrats, uh, Democrat-leaning independents, and even Republican-leaning independents for that matter? Uh, would we get enough to dilute the other two parties? Let's say to begin with, centrist Democrats are a likely no. They would likely stop at the Republican Party if they are shifting to the right or jumping shift from the Democrat Party. The same can be said for you know the Democrat-leaning independents as well. I mean, the the moderates are typically going to be center left. They're, you know, not going to make a jump over center right to maybe a little more right leaning party. So, uh, you know, I think those two uh, groups are probably out. Uh, you know, I don't see there that there'd be enough uh, of folks on those, you know, two um, two parties there or two uh, groups that would have an epiphany. And join a party that's, like I said, would be to the right of the GOP. You might have some, but not enough to make a difference. Now, that would leave, you know, your Republican-leaning independents. And you'd have to capture all of them to even have a shot. I don't see that happening either. Um, Again, you'd get some there. You'd certainly get more than the the centrist, the left-centrist Democrats and Democrat-leaning independents. Um, but I think even within that's that group of of the independent uh, lean or republican leaning independents you're not going to get enough there to to dilute enough of the vote second how many Republicans would actually jump ship I think this one also is a, a tough one to pull a majority from I would envision you'd see a split party uh, what would be left are the ones pulling the handle just because the candidate has an R next to their name. You know, I think at best, we're, we'd be looking anywhere from an even split of the conservative vote between the Republican Party and let's call it the new Patriot Party. Uh, and maybe at best a 70-30 split, depending how many of the independents and uh, leaning, or Republican-leaning independents and Republicans that jump ship. And again, you might get some of those left-centrists. Folks jumping in as well. Either way, you have the conservative vote that would be diluted, while the liberal vote or the Democrat vote wouldn't be at this point. Now, kind of thinking of this uh, infrastructure piece here, a new party would have to set up fundraising. They'd need to have access to the data and and the analytics operations that the two major parties do. You, you're starting all that from scratch. You know, you might have some knowledge coming over with those that are leaving the, the GOP, but it's still really a party starting from scratch. You're building all that infra- infrastructure from the ground up. And not to mention here, what do you do for donors? How How does that work in terms of swaying donors to switch their allegiance from the Republican Party to a, a new party? How How do you get that access to the voter data easily? and their preferences without going out and and really starting from the ground up and building your own database. You know, in this area the Democrats and Republicans will be light years ahead. Now from the historical side of things, we do have a historical precedent here on splitting one party and not the other. Teddy Roosevelt, still very popular and was urged by many to run for a third term in 1908, decline He stuck to his word to be a two-term president, something the other Roosevelt that we had didn't and led to our uh, presidential term limits we see. This opened the door for his Secretary of War and close friend, William Howard Taft, to run. Taft won comfortably in 1908, but Roosevelt was unhappy with how Taft undid a lot of his policies. So with that, he ran for the Republican nomination in 1912. Republicans, predictably, nominated the incumbent Taft, causing Roosevelt to form the Bull Moose Party and run under that banner. The results were predictable, as neither Roosevelt nor Taft pulled anywhere near the required defections from the Democrat Party, and neither one pulled enough of the Republican Party either to make sure it wasn't so diluted against the Unified Democrat Party. Woodrow Wilson won in a landslide with 435 electoral votes. But interesting to note here, uh, Roosevelt was still very popular, winning 88 electoral votes, and the incumbent Taft only won eight electoral votes. The interesting piece here is that Taft and Roosevelt combined had 1.3 million more votes than wilson so i ran a little bit of a what if scenario here just to see what would happen in theory if if the republican votes weren't split in that manner if the republicans had actually nominated roosevelt so looking at that and you know again it's here it's republicans were doing republican things and they didn't realize that Roosevelt really would have been the winner here. Um, Taft is you know kind of the the loser in all this. But what if Republicans had nominated Roosevelt instead? Making the assumption that the Republican vote was indeed just split between Taft and uh, and Roosevelt, I ran state by state totals, or I should say I re-ran the state by state totals from the nineteen twelve election by combining the Taft and Roosevelt votes into one and made the assumption that Roosevelt was the candidate. Now, what the model here determines is Roosevelt would have won comfortably 384 electoral votes for him to 147 electoral votes for Woodrow Wilson. I would envision the same thing happening with a modern-day fracture of the conservative party. So where does that leave us? I see a couple of options here. One is more likely than the other. First option, we really need two additional viable parties to make party splitting work. I would envision that it would be now the current-day Democrat party. Uh, Really, they're the far-left party at this time. Then you'd have some sort of central-left party with more moderate Democrats if they were splitting off and and talking of forming their own party they you know that they they would fill that void they'd be uh, one of the new entrants then you have Republicans who have lurched left over the years as the center and call it center marginally right party really it boils down to there there's just a couple of things that make them kind of on the right at this time in, in terms of what's in their platform and then, you'd have that Patriot party firmly on the right. You know, I think in this scenario, the far left party eventually would consume itself within, you know, all its stupidity and becomes a fringe player. I mean, really, if you're not, you know, if you're not watching mainstream media, you understand that that ideology is a fringe ideology amongst a good chunk of Americans anyway. You'd have the two centrist parties that merge. Um, You know that, like I said, the the Republican Party of today is one and the same with you know a center left party. Um, It's just a couple of things on their platform that keep them maybe leaning right a little, a touch, let's call it. And then you'd have the Patriot Party, uh, and the Patriot Party would stand firm on the right. And now uh, eventually you'd be back to that two party system. You'd have maybe a center. Left party with the Republicans and and centrist Democrats, whatever that would be, and as a new party, the, the far left would eat itself and and you know kind of fade away really as as people realize what just nonsense and in you know stupidity that is that whole ideology is, and you know we eventually would get back to that two party system anyway. You know, I also think this would be the least likely of the two scenarios because. Democrats really circle the wagons well, from the far left all the way to their moderate, you know, centrist Democrats. I, it's hard to envision a lot of them jumping ship to form a new party, and you know they would probably to crush the op, any opposition to a center left party anyway. Speaking of the Democrats here, the other scenario, and what I would say is the most likely is we continue to push the current GOP to keep moving back towards our constitutional principles and fighting for our liberties and fighting back against the left instead of placating them. Our best option is to keep transforming the GOP through the movement that Trump has started within the party. This will be our best chance for success. We'll be able to get good, conservative, constitutional-loving candidates out there with the tools and backing of a major party. Are there still some establishment swampers that need to go and will need to go? Absolutely. But as the new blood and those willing to fight grow within the party, the establishment will be forced with a get on board or get left behind decision. It's not the first time the GOP has been faced with this sort of movement within the party ranks. In 1964, Barry Goldwater was trounced by Lyndon B. Johnson. The establishment decided enough was enough and turned their backs on the ultra conservative movement Goldwater was pushing. Richard Nixon, however, was one that stood by Goldwater, while the likes of Nelson Rockefeller, William Scranton, and George Romney turned a blind eye to what was really going on within the Republican Party dynamics. One has to wonder if. Romney, Rockefeller, and Scranton were a little bit overconfident in this as they were being hailed as the future of the Republican Party. The funny thing is, there never was a President Rockefeller, Scranton, or Romney. There was, however, a President Nixon for two terms, I might add, well, a term and a half. Nixon ran up a pretty decent sized victory in 1968, and then a 49 state landslide in 1972. Goldwater and Nixon's movement was so strong that in 1976, when Gerald Ford put Rockefeller on the ticket as the vice presidential nominee, the right wing of the Republican Party demanded his removal from the ticket as a condition for party unity. Had Ford not done that, there may have been another situation like 1912 with the party uh, split once again, which would basically have handed the election to the Democrats. Now, as it was, Gerald Ford lost that election to Jimmy Carter, but it would have been all but assured had the party been split and the vote been split like 1912. The best course of action for the conservative movement is going to be continuing to push on in what Trump has started in remaking the GOP. It's been done before and will need to be done again, if there is any reasonable chance of conservatives winning national elections in the future. Splitting the vote on one side but not the other is not a winning formula. We may need to do more, demand more, just like the conservatives did in 1976, demanding the removal of Rockefeller from the ticket as the price for party unity. If that's what it takes, then that's what needs to be done. Unfortunately, the stranglehold Democrats and Republicans have on politics in America makes it hard to get other viable parties going. But if we get enough people fed up and drawn into a a movement, we can drive change for the better. Remember, the power lies with us, not with the politicians. That's my show for today. Thank you for listening. I'd be so grateful if you left a positive review and subscribe to my podcast. It'll help us move up the charts and help more people find the truth. I appreciate you spending some time with me today. If you enjoyed today's show, I'd be grateful if you shared it with your friends and family, as well as on your social media accounts. Please subscribe to my podcast as well. It helps us move up the charts. I also like feedback and dialogue. Feel free to email me at livingwithliberty@usa.com. At Follow me on my social media home at Parlor. My handle is at livingwithliberty. Liberty isn't a given. We must continue to fight and protect it. Working together, we will do exactly that. Until next time.